So is everybody ready? I'm ready when you are, man. You ready, Steve? I'm about as ready as I'm ever going to get. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. How long have you been in the Navy? Oh, me a blow life. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And together we are E14. We have 40 years of naval service. And each week we discuss a potpourri of topics, which we like to call smoke pit topics. These are real world topics that concern us, our marriage, and our Navy with a sailor twist. So join us each week as we dive into the deep end. Booyah! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to E14 Podcast. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And together we are E14. And today we've got a very special guest. This is part three of our Chasing the Inker series. Today we have with us Master Chief Roberts. Thanks so much for being here with us. It's my pleasure, shipmates. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank Thanks. You. Before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and put out the disclaimer um, because we are not an official Navy podcast and the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of our own and not the United States Navy or our respective commands. So you can take it or leave it. You know, he says this every single time and every single phrase. time I laugh at it I don't know because why I don't know why, but he, he it, I guess, cause he gets so excited. Cause it's my favorite part of the podcast. Time to say that part. It's my favorite part. I love saying that. Anyway, Master Chief, <laughs> <laughs> would you go ahead and introduce yourself for us? Absolutely. I'm Master Chief Stephen Roberts. I'm a, an avionics technician, Master Chief avionics technician. And uh, what that means is I'm, I'm one of those unique uh, ratings where at the E9 level, the two different rates merge into one. So I am prior, I'm an AT, and at the E9 level, the ATs and AEs merge into one rating known as AV, and that's what I am today. Oh, I've been in the nice. Navy 24 and a half years. Um, to some of you, I'll be blooming life. I'm <laughs> currently attached to Helicopter Sea Combat Squadron 2-8 in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, most recently completed a deployment on board USS Baton and took a detachment three aircraft uh, to fifth and sixth fleet, uh, getting ready to transfer to USS Truman in the next month and a half, if all goes well. Awesome. Wow. So you, you've been around on, on the sea tours, like uh, on the seven seas, like Keith over here. Yeah, has. A, bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. We, I, I was, I, I think that we've uh, shared a tour on Lincoln once upon a time. Oh, we did. We did. The what year? Truth and reporting. I did fleet creepy a little bit. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, you were you were on Lincoln late late nineties, early two thousands. I was a optic component with VF uh, thirty one prior to the O two deployment. I think okay. we I think we crossed a little bit before we you departed. We did. Yep, I bet we. I'm sure we did. I was on that damn thing for a long time. <laughs> I bet you know. I learned a lot. It was it was a, it was an awesome tour. I loved it. So it, you guys, this this podcast has been so impactful thus far and I am just really excited because I was reading over some of the notes of what we're going to speak at and I am thinking that this is going to impact the fleet in ways that we haven't even imagined no, this yet. is great it's we've never pulled the curtain and, and this was the whole point of this chasing the anchor series is to pull the curtain back from the selection board for some of us it's still a mystery why didn't I get selected what do I need to have in my eval? Right. Well, guess what? We're talking about evals today. Yeah. And we are 
so excited about oh, this, this awesome. because we're going to find out today what needs what you're looking for on the selection board. Master Chief, you did you sit uh, sit the uh, FY21 cheese board? I did. Yes. Yeah. So it's fresh in your mind. This is pretty recent, really. I mean, the, the results came out in January. Y'all, when did y'all get done with uh, the board? For 21? we were done within about a week and a half. Um, for the uh, I believe it was early October. We were wow. we were there. I think I was gone uh, by the eighth day. Oh wow! So it's pretty still really fresh in your mind. It hadn't been that long. It, ago. It's very different with COVID this year, though, with a lot of yeah. the uh, the ratings right. being merged together. Uh, right. A lot of uh, boards were overlapping and uh, yeah. it was just a very different process this year a lot of mitigation huh for COVID. yes yeah yes mm. right. interesting so i want to go ahead and, and just break the ice and yeah. we want to start with the burning question um when it comes to evals what speaks to the board what is it that sets us apart that is the million dollar question. And, um, and honestly, it's a, it, it's, it's not a difficult question. It's just a question that, that um, has a lot of pieces to it. Um, first and foremost, in my opinion, what speaks to the board is your deck plate leadership. Uh, that's probably the most important piece to it. That is the primary meat and potatoes. That, that is what's going to get it done. That's when we are looking for our future chief petty officers, we want to know how you're going to lead. And uh, I really can't overstate this enough. Your ability to advance to chief will directly be related to your ability to lead in multiple environments. That's sea duty, you know, shore duty, uh, leading your peers as opposed to subordinates. Um, your evaluations really have to demonstrate the ability to lead in various environments and circumstances. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, and when you talk about leaders and we always talk, we always say this out and out in the, the fleet or whatever is that you've got to work that chief out of the job. So um, it, if, if a sailor is leading, are you speaking about LPO? Are you, are you speaking about those types of things or what type of leadership primarily? Yes. Uh, LPO is, is the primary piece to it being a, a leading sailor's in some capacity, whether it's uh, underway, uh, shore, the work center, uh, even a tiger team, uh, leadership, yeah. your ability to take a group of sailors or a group of peers, come together mm -hmm. as one team and, and complete a mission and not just complete it, but complete it successfully with command impact. So that's, that, that's great because everybody says, I'm not an LPO at sea, but you can do other things. Absolutely. If you're like leading the tiger team, you don't have to, you're not necessarily an LPO. Mm -hmm. I've known a lot of guys pick up chief and they weren't an LPO. They just did other stuff to put them over that hump and get them selected. You can still lead in your shop That's without being the LPO. Uh, you can lead a group right. of sailors in, in task completion. Um, the, the size of the group and the size of the task isn't what it's important. It's the fact that you have a group, you lead the group, you complete a task and you have positive command impact. So I was looking at kind of over your notes here and, and you say um, one of the things that y'all look for is qualifications and certifications, but you have um, with documented impact yes. exclamation point. <laughs> yes. Can you speak a little more to that? Absolutely. Um, any, of course, our, your evaluations for E1 to E6 is going to have some sort of indication in Block 29 
of the collateral duties that you, you as a sailor potential candidate for chief will possess or hold. And uh, depending on the sailor, uh, I've seen in many different instances, a sailor will have one to two collateral duties. And then I'm sure you've seen it too. There's sailors that have five or six collateral duties. Like they have yeah. all of the collateral yeah. duties. Yes. And yeah, definitely. And that's okay. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Documented impact. So every collateral duty that you identify in block 25 should have some sort of substantiation in block 43 with what you're doing with it. That is what's going to yeah. mean the most to the board. So you can't just have that collateral duty, but not doing nothing with it. Absolutely. And there's a, there's kind of a term going around in the fleet right now. You have hungry young first classes that have seven or eight collateral duties. We call them uh, Pac-Man first classes because they, they gobble up collateral duties like the little dots in the game. <laughs> and um, if you don't have any documented uh, uh, impact of how you are affecting sailors or the Navy with those collateral duties, they're not going to hold a lot of weight. Got it. Wow. Makes sense. That's good though. That's the way it should be. That cuts deep because that means you're just wasting a lot of time um, talking about this collateral duty or wasting a lot of space on your eval talking about this collateral duty with no impact, yeah. you know, so that that's really and, something more that importantly, we need to focus on. Yes, absolutely. Um, and more importantly, if board doesn't see that substantiation, of the collateral duty in block 43, the, the board is left to guess at what type of impact you had at the command with that collateral duty. And uh, more times than not, the sailor may not get the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. So do yourself a favor and wow. document what you did with the collateral duty or you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. Right. So yeah, definitely. So you got to don't leave the board guessing. Yes. That is a, that is a, uh, a good rule of thumb. <laughs> Yeah, and then you talk about opening and closing statements yeah. and and the impact on that. And uh, and uh, that I've always been taught a strong opening and a strong closing statement, and then you fill it with everything that you've done. But when it comes to opening and closing statements, a lot of us are still kind of guessing to what is a good opening and closing statement. Sure. You're exactly right. Uh, opening and closing statements are probably the most visible, eye-opening eye and impactful statements that are in Block 43 of your eval. Your opening and closing statements need to be especially strong, and, and they need to grab the attention of the person reading it, which in this case is going to be a board member. <clears throat> For example, some, some examples of strong, solid opening statements could be something like my number one first class in the command. Uh, my number one MP only due to uh, force distribution or constrictions, uh, yeah. things like that. Something strong that's going to tell the board, this sailor is fantastic and I am breaking in out at this level. Uh, dual threat leader. I've seen that one used before too. Um, best first class wow. I've ever served with. I actually had that one on a first class eval of my own. And uh, that was one eval that helped oh, me, wow. uh, I believe get to my, uh, my eventual selection to chief. Wow. So I got a question. So I want to talk about, and it's not really on your notes, but it's a lot. It's a, I think it's a pretty good question. A lot of people talk about it. Um, soft breakout, say you're a transfer first class, right? So you transfer, you get the kiss out the door, the one-on-one EP. Normally that doesn't mm -hmm. hold a lot of weight because 
one you're not you're competing with yourself right mm -hmm. nobody but yourself so what if they put that maintain as my top first class on board what if they, they do a soft breakout on the write-up does that help at all absolutely and and that's the whole purpose of a soft breakout is when you're when you're evaluated against yourself out the door with no 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 group the soft breakout is what's mm -hmm. going to tell the board that this sailor isn't just a, a, a run-of-the-mill average sailor transferring to, to a new command. Um, more times than not, the soft breakouts are for the top performing sailors that are transferring that are caught in between uh, reporting periods or, or evaluation cycles. Yeah. Absolutely, soft breakouts do right. hold weight. Because, you know, a lot of them they'd like to extend, but due to maybe to a school, they can't. And it, it happens sometimes. And that's a good way to take care of them if, they're, if they deserve it, right? Absolutely. There are sailors who want to try and, and extend to get into the current evaluation cycle to be ranked with their peers and circumstances don't allow that all the time. Right. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I was kind of uh, looking over your notes here and we said this before, but this isn't just for first classes. This can help chief petty officers uh, trying to go for senior chief, senior chief trying to go for master chief. This can help across the board. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think that the reason why it was it was put together this way and constructed this way is so that that would be evident. You know, just because you make chief, the professional personal growth doesn't stop and the advancement process doesn't right. stop either. You still have to continue yeah. to to work and lead and mentor. And, and that's why the process is no different for advancements to master chiefs than it is for advancement to chief. The formula is the same. It is. Yeah, and you talked about uh, professional and de uh, personal development, you know, of your peers and subordinates as, as one of the, the breakouts, you know, for sailorization. Can you speak a little more to that? Yes, absolutely. This is also known as something we may have heard of called sailorization. This kind of uh, mm -hmm. lumps into that as well. Uh, so any documentation of a sailor's qualification and peer developments as a direct result of your mentorship should be documented and annotated in block 43 of your evaluations. Also with that, just you need to have the ability to justify with accurate quantification. This is where the numbers come in that everybody talks about, you know, the numbers. Mm -hmm. So, and you don't have to have large numbers. I wanna put that caveat in there right now. The board is not looking for you to mentor 500 sailors and make sure all of them get their warfare pins. That's not what they're talking about. A solid quantified uh, sailorization or professional personal development of your peers and your subordinates to include things like warfare de designations, uh, in-rate qualifications, advancements, MAP, sailor of the quarter things like that. You could have one or two of each of those. And that, that evaluation bullet is just as strong as if you had a work center of 25 or 30. That's awesome to hear. I didn't know that. I, I thought big numbers really mattered. Big numbers don't hurt, but right. they don't, they don't necessarily give you a competitive advantage because leading is leading regardless of the right. size of the group that you're leading. Hmm. And it makes sense, man, because you can't pick what, you know, you have very little control on where you go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you have some control, but you don't have a lot. I mean, especially these days, uh, the whole order orders thing has totally changed uh, from when we were younger. It has. <laughs> some more you than know, others. It, yeah, right. It, yeah. It, and it's like a, 
when you have a very small division, but each one of those sailors has excelled. That's is the exact same impact. And I get it now. I see it now as having a large division and having a percentage of sailors right. excel, you know? Yes. Yes. Success so, is success. Right. So you want your mentorship as a LPO. As we're talking, we'll talk chief board as a LPO, your mentorship to produce these SOIs, these NAM recipients, the, that, that looks good, things like that. Yes, your mentorship and your ability to lead and develop your sailors professionally. Right. You want that to equal uh, personal success, right. like advancements and individual awards and, and specific accomplishments that help them break out and be recognized in the command. Definitely. That's great. You know, I just read um, something that just really surprised me when you gave us these notes previously and it said a uh, white space is okay and i was like what yeah. <laughs> white space nobody has <laughs> whites i mean we try to fill all 18 lines up you know <laughs> yes and, and i can tell you after 24 years in the navy i've heard the argument from both sides uh, honestly at the at the end of the day white space is perfectly okay don't feel like you have to fill the space on block 43 because if you're putting in an exorbitant amount of effort trying to fill in that blank space in block 43, it's probably going to be material that's not relevant or going to have any impact on the board members. Because we're not pulling any wool over your eyes with the flow, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I thought we got him. <laughs> so this is, this is something uh, that I've known, I've, I've, CMC told me this when I was a younger chief, uh, before I made senior, I was probably a, been a chief maybe a couple of years. So I was still pretty a junior chief. And let's talk about NJPs, PFA failures, uh, probably the two biggest adverse things we can do in the Navy, right? As far as, you know, as far as performance, one of the big adverse stuff that affects sailors probably pretty frequently mm -hmm. compared to others. So, uh, this for us talk about how the board, what does the board do or they, when they see something like that in eval, then I'll, we'll get further into it after that. Sure. And, and as was stated previously in the, in the last podcast with senior chief, um, field code 38s are going to be viewed by the board. There's just no way around that. Mm -hmm. The data in the field code 38, though, is very specific. The field code 38s will only tell a board member about the adverse action itself. But what sailors don't realize that evaluation is your opportunity to document and show how you've recovered or not recovered, whatever the right. case may be, as a result of that NJP or PFA failure. Um, I've got some fantastic examples of the eval bullets that I have seen from sailors who have had adverse actions uh, within the same reporting period and then have recovered fantastically. Mm -hmm. For example, Petty Officer failed most recent PFA, but has since lost 40 pounds and is now my leading ACFL. That's I mean, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Put yourself in the, in the shoes of a board member, regardless of your experience or your rank. If you read that in an eval, how would that make you feel immediately about a sailor? Uh, he's, he's resilient as hell. You yes. don't have to be a master chief yeah. board member to read that eval bullet and see the impact the positive impact that that statement is going to have. Another example, a solid sailor who has stumbled, but recovering. 
that would be an example of a of a of an eval statement of a sailor who did have something happened and and is recovering maybe isn't quite there yet but is trending in the positive direction because if mm -hmm. you don't put anything in there at all the board is left to think oh the sailor did something is in trouble and hasn't recovered yet next record yeah right pass yeah wow. yeah definitely that's what i was going to get into master chief i was like like a guy that gets a dui you know and i know i know we're all chiefs right so what well, good thing about being a chief is in the mess you have a hundred 200 years of screw-ups we've all screwed up right some of us yes. got caught more than others or screwed up more than others but at the end of the day we've all screwed up and recovered and done pretty well basically yes. and that and that's like a guy gets dui but you know he, he took a slap on the hand went to mass got his winner 45 45 now he's the uh the dap of the command less than a year later yes Shows another fantastic example Absolutely. You have to understand the Navy does not embrace the block or blindly adhere to a zero defect mentality. Mm -hmm. If that was the case, our Navy would be completely degraded. Yeah. It would be terrible. <laughs> that, that's nope. so encouraging to hear. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's awesome. That we don't uh, have a zero defect mentality. Yes. That's and, and you can find a lot of these things that we're talking about with the resources that I've, that I've outlined to you earlier online, especially in the NPC website on the uh, selection board page. There's a wonderful brief in there, PowerPoint. Uh, in my opinion, probably the most in-depth look at how the selection board process works. And anybody can look at it. Yeah, I've it seen it that is brief. literally the best look behind the curtain since the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good that, you know, because we're all flawed. We all make mistakes. And it's, it's great. It's refreshing to hear that the, uh, the mass chiefs and there's officers there too know that mm -hmm. they know we're not perfect or whoever's mm -hmm. up for, uh, not perfect. Yes. You want to get in, you want to get in a risk with the uh, reporting, reporting seniors, seniors uh, so cumulative I, average. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I still struggle to wrap my mind around what this, uh, where I break out and then I see the reporting seniors average. And then I'm like, and there's another little, uh, number that comes into play there. And I'm like, okay, uh, as long as I'm, you know, above it, above it or tracking it, I guess I'm good. Right. You know, so can you speak a yes. little more to that? And I'm going to do my very best to explain this without the aid of a PSR to help kind of illustrate this. <laughs> so if you're actually looking at your PSR and find a, one of your evaluation marks to look at on the towards the middle of the page, on the left-hand side of the column is going to be your performance breakout number. And in the next column to the right, you're going to have a set of two set of numbers, one on top of the other. The top one is your summary group average for the entire group that you were ranked with. And the number directly underneath that is this thing we know as reporting seniors cumulative average, which is that reporting seniors total cumulative average for that pay grade for that uh, reporting seniors entire career. So this is a relatively new uh, metric, if you will, that we've started using with our evaluations. Um, it's now a metric used in selection boards to see how you as a sailor measures up against your reporting seniors cumulative average. And uh, the, uh, the goal is to be at or above RISCA. And that is now something that the selection boards look at. Now I heard a myth one time and I can't say it verbatim because it was a while ago, but I heard that um, if your reporting senior has a high cumulative average and you break out a high, you know, uh, 
like let's say they've got a 4.0 cumulative average uh, that it doesn't look as good as if you had a reporting senior that had a low cumulative average and then you still broke out higher than that. Have you ever heard that? I, I can't say that I've ever heard that. Um, at the end of the day, if you are at or above your reporting senior's cumulative average, that's really all that, uh, that really matters at the end of the day. And a lot of things, sailors also have to understand that um, dips in, in, in risk of uh, due to things like a change in reporting senior or um, the size of your summary group doubles the next year. Mm. That happens to sailors sometimes and they'll see that their trait average may fall or dip a little bit, but the uh, reporting seniors uh, cumulative average does not. Um, if, especially if it's a different reporting senior, that, that's not really looked at adversely by the board. Hmm. And also, know. if your summary group doubles or triples and, and your numbers fluctuate up or down, it's not necessarily going to look um, adversely at, uh, towards a sailor as well, because say the influx of sailors are all high performing sailors. I mean, you can't really quantify how that could happen or how that dynamic could change. Yeah. It's, it, it's not looked at unfavorably. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I was told that before and I never sweated the trade average as long as I was you know, competitive with the reporting seniors average that, that, or the risk of, that's what I usually focused on, but cause you never know. It always changes to get a different CO. It's going to change. Yes. Never stays the same. Yeah. And they're trying to balance out that average. They want to keep it their average the same. So that the trade averages bounce around to keep their risk of the same as it has been their whole career, that average. Yes. There's a, there's a, a median that right. uh, command master chiefs and, and other LCPOs tried to keep their reporting seniors number at uh, steadily to, to kind of, you know, so it doesn't get out of control and affect a large number of sailors during right. the reporting period. You know, Master Chief, I want to kind of jump into the next topic here, but it's, it's funny because in our minds, I guess we always think of uh, there's like a review period where you get, um, are your evals looked at and your package looked at and then the best packages go into the tank and I, I know a lot of people that think that way but, and you want to get into the tank and so we asked you this question and um really got surprised with the answer huh? yeah you says everybody's in the tank right Is absolutely that, yeah. yeah all all records are graded and then and then lumped together and go to the tank together to be reviewed together as a group yeah and, and we're, we know we, we, uh, basically what some of the things that, that the, that, that helps the board, cause y'all, everybody briefs their packages, right? Each grader briefs their packages. Is that correct? Yes. So it's pretty much what I was told. Each, each board member is on the side of the sailor. They're trying to brief them the best they can to what's in, what they're grading. And they're actually almost like an advocate for the, the member. They, they objectively brief the package that they graded right. based on the data available to them. Right. Their, their record yes right so what's some things that help help y'all out as board members i know you got in here can you can you talk on the difference between best qualified or fully qualified best and fully qualified you know the, i know it's a, it's a play on words but there is a difference yes absolutely um uh, the the precepts and the convening order actually the convening order explains it uh fantastically if that's a word fantastic it, it's a fantastic explanation of what what uh, fully qualified versus best and fully qualified is so think of it this way 
you're at a selection board and you have a number of records for the panel to review. Uh, merely for the fact that this, the sailor is eligible for advancement, they have submitted a package, they have made board, more times than not, the sailor is going to be fully qualified or else something would have inhibited them from submitting a package or being eligible to begin with. So right, right off the bat, you got to consider that your sailors are fully qualified. Now you have that group of fully qualified sailors, which let me add that during the selection board process, when you're evaluating these records, it is extremely competitive. Uh, so, so competitive that I, it, it's humbling when you, when you look at 350 packages and, and you have to, you have to, as a group, select a small percentage of those numbers to, to, uh, to advance to chief petty officer. And the competition is so strong. And there are a bunch of fantastic sailors out there doing fantastic things, but they just fall a little short because of numbers. Right. So the difference between best and quality, fully qualified and just fully qualified is, is, like I said, having that group of fully qualified sailors. And then you have to do the painstaking work of finding the very best of that group. And that, and, uh, and that just it makes you pull your hair out. I can't I can imagine. It's the hardest job I've ever had to do in the Navy. No doubt. Really? And you um, got 24 years and you're a master chief. So you, you've done some hard stuff in your day. This, this is the top one, huh? This is it. But this one tugs at the heartstrings. Yes. I bet. I can imagine. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that that was just really good insight for me because I was thinking that, you know, first I, I well, here's what I thought. And I think I got told this a long time ago when I was very junior first that they look at all these packages and then they're just like, throw this one out and throw this one out and throw this one out. And only these like five make it into the tank. Yeah. And so this is my whole, like, you know, based on this, this weird uh, story that was told to me is, is how I've carried my way through this <laughs> whole process. So I didn't really realize that everybody goes into the tank, even if you, um, you know, don't have all of the qualifications or whatever. And, and, and it's nice to hear that it is objectively just, you know, Hey, this is what this person has. And then you move on to the next person and ranked in that order. So it's nice to know that. So as a say, so as a board board member, right. And you're, it's your turn to break the package. How, how does that work? Well, um, we're in the tank now and it's, it's incumbent on us to more or less sell the package to, to our peers that are in the board. So uh, the question was asked, how do the board members sell the package? And honestly, this is the best part of the brief because you as a sailor, not only have all of the tools to help that board member sell you to the panel, but you also have all of the resources as well available to you. Uh, and the handful of those resources I want to speak to a little bit um, here, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, the first one oh, is the Enlisted Career Path, uh, the Learning and Development Roadmap, or you may have heard of it as a ladder. Uh, yeah. Ladder is a fantastic tool available to every sailor, all ratings, all pay grades uh, through the Navy Cool website. Um, the great thing about the ladder is you have this Enlisted Career Path that tells you exactly what you should be doing at the current pay grade you're at, that the type duty that you are currently doing with however many years of service you have in right now, it literally tells you what types of jobs you should be doing at that point, what types of qualifications you should be achieving or have achieved at that point, and also some special duties that you should be considering for that point as well. In most cases, recruiting, 
uh, RDC uh, instructor, those types of things. Uh, depending on what pay grade you are or where you're at in your career, those things should start popping up on your ladder as well. Another very useful tool, of course, I spoke to, uh, to it recently is the precept and the convening order. The, the precept is, uh, is uh, the, the precept for this year hasn't been released yet, but uh, the chief right. of naval personnel um, prior to board convenings releases the board precept every year. <clears throat> the precept is a fantastic document because it tells us everything that we need to know and, or everything that we will need to consider for the benefit of the Navy and the leadership process for the boards and the, the, the scope and the spectrum of what we should be looking at. Mm -hmm. And also how we conduct ourselves as board members when the board does convene. <clears throat> Some background perspectives of innovative talent and depth and breadth and vision of our sailors that we're reviewing are some of the characteristics that we are looking for when we're selecting our best and fully qualified sailors. Uh, the convening order is sort of an amplifying document on top of the precept. It kind of guides the board members on how to proceed in accordance with. Uh, it also defines, as we spoke to earlier, what best and fully qualified is. Some other documents that are gonna be very handy to the sailors this year is of course the NAV admin for this year, which happens to be 050 21. If you haven't reviewed it yet, go to npc.com, uh, li library resources, messages, nav admin this year and look for 050 and you'll get all of the, uh, all of the dates and pertinent information for this year's board uh, available to you. Uh, very important information there as well. What, when is your package due? When does your board convene? Uh, what is acceptable? as part of your package, how to submit a package. My goodness, if anybody has submitted a package last year, they probably went through uh, quite an ordeal trying yeah. to learn how ESSBD worked. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those sailors as well, trying to do it underway. I got very intimate, familiar with ESSBD and um, the fantastic thing, but it was very painful getting to that point. Um, you know, submitting the, all of the pertinent information relating to the board this year is going to be on that message. And finally, there is a fantastic PowerPoint, as we spoke to earlier. It's called the Enlisted Advancement Board Brief for PERS 803. And it is also available on the MPC website under the uh, general tab uh, for active enlistment uh, selection boards. That's amazing information. Yes, that's and, awesome. You know, the, it's always there. All of the answers are always there. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. When you get ready to put in the package, it's like you forget that information is there. So if you're listening, go print it out right now. That way, when you make board, you get your ticket to the dance. You can actually have all of that information ready and available to you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Got, definitely. And the, I'm sorry. The no, convening order. Uh, most importantly, I wanted to add that the candidate's package should highlight a lot of the traits that we spoke to earlier, but it also provides specific guidance on area tours, as well as uh, the board's job is to give consideration to candidates that do those unusual uh, uh, tours, uh, especially the odd tours like DevGrew and stuff like that. The board, mm -hmm. they specifically tell us not to look at that adversely. Um, especially in the aviation rating, there's DevDrew is starting to become a big yeah. thing. That's that's one example. So that's no longer viewed negatively. That uh, it, it is absolutely in rate, not considered an out of rate tour anymore. 
Right. Uh, additionally, the boards uh, should also look for candidates' ability to succeed in challenging environments in diverse geographic areas, particularly overseas. Now, what this should tell you as a sailor that your ability to lead in the most demanding environments, doing the hardest jobs, is, is what we are giving consideration to. And we're going to give that additional positive consideration for doing that in the most extreme of conditions. Wow. That's awesome. Cause yeah, I know some, I know some Airedales in the NSW, uh, ATs, AEs, definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I was shocked when I saw it. I was like, yeah, you guys come here. He goes, yeah, we, we do now. <laughs> it's in the ladder too. When you look at the, uh, the career path for, for the air aviation, uh, people that are in dev crew, it gives very specific qualifications and achievements wow. that sailors should be attaining at specific pay grades. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Hey, I do have another question for you. I want to talk about this five-year thing. Can we talk five-year? Five well, we okay, we just found out. Year. We just found out from Senior <laughs> Griffiths in the last podcast that it's a myth. And right? yes, yes. But is there, and I forgot to ask uh, Senior that, is there something that triggers a board member to go back? Or is that something they do normally to go back past that five-year mark? Because a little backstory, I've known so many people, not so many, a handful of people that might've got an adverse C-Val. And on that fifth year, that sixth year, they picked up chief. So it, it almost like the math worked out for them because it was exactly five years after they got that, that adverse eval or whatever they got, they picked up chief. It was almost like they were waiting for that to fall off. So I just had a couple questions is, I know it's a myth and because a senior told me and other people have told me, but does something have to happen for the board member to, to be triggered to go back maybe eight years? Sure. And, and to use your example, uh, again, how many, how many ITs do you know? How many IT uh, chiefs do you know in the Navy? I know three or four. There's five. a I lot mean, of them out there. Yeah, there are a hundred of them out there. Yeah. We make a lot of IT chiefs every year. Have you ever looked at what the average time of service is? No, I just time thought in the Navy for, for an ITC. No. If I told you it was less than 10 and a half years, would you be surprised? That's about right. I would think that's about <laughs> right because I've seen some young ones. Wow. I totally made that number up. But the point oh, I'm trying you? to make is oh. that there are, there are young young chiefs out there in fact i have a young at in my command that made chief this year who's got eight years in the navy so yeah. what are the chances that that sailor is going to have five years of first class evals for us to look at he's not going to no it's not yeah so yeah. we're going to look at that sailor's ability to lead as an e5 yeah absolutely okay i'm just so curious it may like... take you past five years it could take you eight years to take nine years it, bottom line is the board member is going to go back as far as they need to to get the answers they need to find so if a guy's going up for senior chief would 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 the board member look back all his chief evals sure if they need to it, and again yeah. it depends on what that that chief needs what what is in that chief's ladder to become a senior chief do oh he's trying to, to find something for it do they need to go back to the first class evals to find that thing it's very possible a great example for aviation is safer flight if you're if you were qualified to release aircraft safe for flight that's a qualification typically achieved by by chiefs and you're very motivated first classes that's hmm. awesome hey, that's good that's good to hear because yeah, i always wondered you. like if so-and-so had this thing that was on his ladder but he was he's going for senior chief and he was a young chief he's a chief for six years and he, he did it but he was just done as a younger chief and he never had the opportunity to do it again would they be able to see that without sending that designation letter in because you know they're not on your OMPF, things like that. Yep, absolutely. And the worst thing a board member could do is handcuff themselves to a time period. 
Yeah. Especially right. when it comes to uh, searching out uh, sailors' qualifications. Because if that was the case, let's say the board members could only look back five years. Can you imagine how large sailors' letters to the board would be if that was actually a mandate? Oh, yeah. I would send 200 deck and things in probably. I'd be one of, the, I'd be one of those jerks. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Brit. Strangle that. <laughs> you know, I, it does raise a question with me, Master Chief, because uh, reading and just learning and, and understanding what, what our evals need to say and, um, you know, that sort of stuff. What can a sailor do that maybe doesn't have the best eval write-ups because you know you say you, you maybe you go back into those e5s well when we were e5s we just accepted evals or we didn't write them ourselves you know so somebody else wrote it and we were like okay thank you <laughs> and, and then you kept on moving so maybe those evals aren't written with strong uh beginning statements what can we do to um still have that competitive advantage in the board sure. At that point, you'd have to start looking at maybe some things that weren't captured in the eval. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe some awards, maybe some other mentorship opportunities or leadership opportunities that were documented through either a, a, a another avenue of sorts that you could include into your letter to the board so that, okay, it may not have been captured into evaluation, but it actually did happen, and here's the evidence of that. That's one way you could do it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So not all hope is not lost if you didn't have the greatest eval, uh, just the write-ups, but you still did the work, right? Uh, yeah, that's good. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, volunteer is an excellent opportunity, uh, excellent example of that. Um, maybe the MOVSM is in route for for some stuff that was you know done several evals ago. Well, how are you mm -hmm. going to capture that that work that you did? Um, right course the the letters that you get from the facilities you worked at at that point is going to be your substantiation for that hmm. really good insight right okay i got one more for you one more and it's only, it's, it's only it's only no but this is it's, it's actually in your write-up and stuff a little bit of it uh and it it's uh basically i just want to know that that p and that ep uh eval that that uh, they call it uh promotion recommendation so yes We've all I've, we've all heard of people making master chief or senior chief on a PE vow. Yeah, could you explain that? Yes, absolutely. So the the the, the word that you're looking for here and the key word is progression. Uh, regardless of where you start out when the command, if you're progressing in the in the upward direction, that's what ultimately is going to matter to the board at the end. For me, example, I checked into HSC 28 with an 11 month P promotable. Welcome aboard P. Wow. which yeah. I, I expect to happen, of course. And the following year, I was a, a very competitive MP. And this most recent, this last eval, I was expecting to crack into the EP category before I advanced to Master Chief. But it's the progression piece is what the board is looking for. Okay. Shark teeth. Shark teeth, yes. Come up, just peek out, and fall back down when you transfer. That's right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Well, Master Chief, we just appreciate you coming on with us and providing all of this insight for everybody. And, you know, the, uh, uh, the notes that you wrote for us um, are so impactful. We would like to post that along with our podcast uh, on Facebook for anyone that would, you know, find this, this podcast beneficial because you can read it, you can hear it. So if that's okay with you, we'd like to post that on there. 
Absolutely. With the, with the stipulation that, again, these notes are my personal experiences and, and my opinions and the opinions of some, you know, senior members that I've conversed with in the past and, and kind of shared notes with. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll put the disclaimer out yeah. for the, if you read this, it's just a, not an official Navy um, thing, but just something here to help uh, develop. Right. Just the, the experience of an old master chief. And I'm telling you, been doing this a long time, and the only reason I'm still in the Navy is because of things like this. Uh, professional yeah. development and leading sailors is the only thing that keeps me waking up in the morning. Yeah. Oh wow, that's great. It's awesome. And um, you know, if you are out there and you have questions for Master Chief, you can email us at e14podcast at gmail.com. We'll get them over to him and um, be able to get you back the inf- you know any questions that are left unanswered or anything like that. And again, Master Chief, we thank you thank so you much so for much. coming on and uh, spending your time putting this together for us. One more golden nugget from the Master Chief. The yes. list of board members who stat the board is posted on NPC every year after the results are released. So you can come and seek me out if you want. I will talk to you all day long, but there's about 75 other senior chiefs and chiefs who could also probably answer some of your questions as well so don't feel like that i'm the only one that can answer your questions yeah definitely and and we we will stalk them and and find them and we will ask them the questions facebook stalk them (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and again thank you so much and we're going to go ahead and sign off here fair winds and following seas 